Hello and welcome to Royals Review Radio. I'm your host, Jacob Milham, and tonight I'm joined by Jeremy Greco and Greg Walker. Jeremy, how you doing tonight, man? I am finally back in my apartment after three weeks of visiting my family, and I am doing peacefully quiet. <laughs> Well, that is good to hear. Um, I hope you return to a apartment in one piece after the whole saga that is your uh, your living situation. Yep the the water the the water's back and I don't even have to boil it, so I'm I'm good to go. I would uh, I, I would run those taps for a little bit just just be on the safe side <laughs> just to, just for your own health. And Greg, how you do tonight, man? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, got back from the gym, kind of getting into the swing of real life again after the holiday season, which, you know, that's that's always a trip. But hey, staying alive. Hey, that's that's all we can do. I I know my New Year's resolutions are already busted. Um, we're not even two weeks into the into the new year. So good on you, Greg, for actually going to the gym, um, because I've seen more of the inside of my eyelids than the gym in the past 11 days. So good on you. Yeah, I will admit the gym wasn't really a resolution for me. It's been a pretty regular part of my life for most of the past like eight years or so. So that's just kind of it's kind of every day for me as opposed to a revol- resolution. I didn't even really have a resolution at all. Well, Jeremy, how are you doing on your resolutions, man? We, we talked about this before. Yeah, I, I don't really do resolutions. I've always been the kind of person who's like, if I want to make a change, let's make it now. Uh, why wait? Though, it's funny because this year I did wait until New Year's to buy myself a new rowing machine, um, which just got delivered to the wrong apartment today. So that, oh, that was my workout for today. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I was, I, but it wasn't because of a resolution. It was because I was hoping, you know, we'd get one of those uh, new year's resolution exercise equipment sales, but it didn't go on sale. So uh, I had to pay full price, but I have a new rowing machine. Hey, there you go, man. Put it to good use and let us know how it works out for you. Um, Hey, look, Jeremy, Greg, we were talking about this before the show went live. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, listeners, we we started recording a little late today and we were talking about salads and what doesn't belong with other foods for about 10 minutes. So, Greg, I want you to go first. There's a lot of opinions, but what is one thing that does not belong in fruit salad? I would say like shattered glass probably shouldn't be in your fruit salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great thing. Yeah, razor blades. I tend to leave out of there. Is is that what they tell parents to do on uh, on Thanksgiving? You know, make sure to check your kids uh, kids fruit salad for razor blades and screws. That that should be an all year thing, not just a holiday. You always got to be checking your kids' food for all kinds of foreign objects. I mean, you might find like scrap metal or something in there. You never know. Wow, McDonald's is really stepping up their game, aren't they? <laughs> putting the uh, putting the meal and Happy Meal. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what about shard of glass? Wow, glass. <laughs> Jeremy, what about you? In all honesty, though, what is one ingredient that is food that does not belong in fruit salad? Oh man, see, I was getting ready to whip out my Halloween drug jokes. Uh, Oh, I'm going to go with, this is what I said before. I'm going to stick with it. Mayonnaise. Do not, do not put your mayonnaise anywhere near my fruit salad. 
I don't care that fruit salad often has like, you know, like a creamy stuff in there. Mayonnaise is not it. It's it's really not like I'm really trying to imagine the taste of that. And it it just turns my not I, good. I, not yeah, good. That's probably true. Oh, my God. Greg, what, what do you think? Like, how would that how would that turn out? Like, why would someone put mayonnaise in fruit salad? Look, as far as I'm concerned, this is only my opinion, of course, but I don't think mayonnaise should be on anything at all that I eat, but especially like a fruit salad, that combination of flavors, I just can't imagine that working. It doesn't click for me. I don't get it. But someone will go out there and say, but it's tangy. It has that tang in that It's clean. called a salad dressing. <laughs> this is a fruit salad. But we were, we were also talking about the fact of like how salads can be so unhealthy for no reason. Hey, Jeremy, weren't you saying something about people putting Snickers bars in their yeah. fruit salad? My mom's got this amazing fruit salad recipe that uh, we used to always try and make her make. Uh, that's got like, it's it's got apples and walnuts in it. So that's pretty normal, right? But then like, it's also got uh, whipped cream and Snickers. So it's like a caramel apple uh, fruit salad. And it is amazing. But uh, my mom probably rightly, though, don't tell her I said that, uh, says calls it a, a dessert more than a salad. <laughs> hey, yeah, rightfully so. Rightfully so. But on that note, I will have to say, I don't know why marshmallows and fruit salad just just don't do it for me. I know I know it's all sweet, but like you have kind of this like mushy fruit salad thing. And then you go into just puffed sugar. It's just, and, and it absorbs all the juices. And, uh, 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 uh. Marshmallows do not hold up to fruit juice very well. No, no. I'll give you don't. that. And one other thing that does not hold up so well so far is Kansas City Royals baseball. Hey, oh. look at that. Look at that. that right there. <laughs> it was a little, I stumbled into that one. Not going to lie. Uh, I but need a sound effects board just so I can I can play like fanfare when you do stuff like that. <laughs> Please, we'll, we'll get you one of those little stream decks. <laughs> but no, in all honesty, um, when we were talking about the show yesterday, things were looking a little thin on Royals news. But, you know, in the past 24 hours, there's kind of been a lot of things to come up in the baseball world and in the Royals sphere um first we are going to focus on the bigger major league baseball world as a whole um and we, we got to talk about this Car- carlos correa return to the minnesota twins uh this guy i mean he had the mega deal of all mega deals about what a month ago with the giants then he had a smaller mega deal with the new york mets and now he has this much smaller deal Going back to the Minnesota Twins, um, Greg, like when you saw all of this kind of break down and it's finalized now, he's going back to Minnesota. What did you think about the Carlos Correa saga? It's been one of just the most unusual free agencies that we're probably ever going to see. I honestly can't think of a more strange saga involving only one free agent over the course of one offseason. I mean, he's signed three different deals now, or at least agreed to three different deals with two of them blowing up. And I remember on my own podcast after the Mets kind of announced or it was announced that the Mets were a little bit worried about the medicals after the Giants also had been. I was like, oh, watch out. He's going back to the Twins. Look out. Minnesota's going to swoop in. And sure enough, 
it actually happened. And what kind of strikes me the most about it is, yeah, the Twins deal was smaller than the other deals he was offered in terms of total value, in terms of years, but it was actually like fairly substantially higher in AAV than any of the other ones because he was going to get 25 mil a year from the Giants, 26.3 from the Mets. He's getting 33.3 from the Twins. So I find that surprising. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and Jeremy, I think this is going to be the segue into where it talks about the Royals specifically, because I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, hey, this is a small market team making some big market moves. How do you feel about it? Yeah. So just to quote our our beloved, uh, illustrious editor, Max Reaper on Twitter, uh, the Twins make $40 million a year off of their local TV deal, which is less than what the Royals make. Forbes has their annual revenues at $268 million, which is only $5 million more than their estimate of what the Royals make. And they can sign Carlos Correa to a six-year $200 million contract. They can make that deal. Why can't the Royals? Well, and I think there is a little bit of room and discussion for this, and I would like to discuss both sides of it because that's, I mean, that's what we're always told. That's what is regurgitated over and over again. The Royals can't make this, that, or the other move simply because they don't have the money or, you know, it doesn't stack up to their, to their opponents. Well, but Greg, I would like to just yes or no, does a move like this, would that make a similar move more likely for the Royals? Or is this just a kind of an outlier? This, this doesn't have any bearing on the Royals at all, as far as I'm concerned, because they're going to go do their own thing. We know they don't give out big contracts. I mean, even when they were in a win now window, you know, at the middle of the last decade, what was their big signing? It was Ian Kennedy or Alex Gordon, who just bringing him back, whatever. So you can kind of put that one in a slightly different bucket. We, they've never shown they're going to be in the market for these kinds of guys. And look, you don't need the twins to be like an example for a small market team spending money because the Padres were fifth highest payroll in all of baseball last year playing as a small market team. Some people might argue, oh, San Diego's not that small. Tijuana's right there, blah, blah, blah. But regionally, they're dominated by the Dodgers and the Angels. It is a small market team and it historically was. And now they're running a $225 million payroll. Like we've seen this happen with small market teams before. We should know by now that like, it's not an excuse. Okay. We need to stop carrying water for owners on it, but this is the Royals. And I'm just going to assume they won't spend money until they actually show that they will. And, and I just want to tack onto that, that people will say, Oh, well, if you add Carlos Correa to this team, it's still not a very good team. And you're right. You just, if that's all you did, but the Royals could add a hundred to 150 million in annual average value in contracts and, and, and be fine. They would still make a profit. And, and if you, you're going to look me in the eye and tell me that 150 million of annual average value in contracts can't drastically change this team, I'm I'm going to I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to think that you're really good at looking people in the eye and saying bizarre things. <laughs> um, Jeremy, our listeners probably think that, that we are for I mean, to be honest, but let's let's put that into other terms. The Royals could add four players on the contractual level of Carlos Correa and still be turning a, a profit on the on the field, at least like that's that's where and, this is at. 
And four Carlos Correa's is enough to make a difference. It is. Four maybe Carlos not 100 wins, but 90 wins doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility if you no. spend it wisely. I'm yes. not actually convinced that spending it on Carlos Correa is spending it wisely after watching the Giants and Mets both walk away from him. But, you know, you get the idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, Greg, just to, just to wrap this up, do you think that – the Carlos Correa coming back really moves the needle for the twins in the AL central, or is it just going to be more of the same? I think this division is bad enough that the fact that they're basically running back more or less the same team as last year, maybe hoping for some better health among their pitching staff. They'll, they'll probably be in the mix to win the American league central because like, sure. We expect the white Sox to probably be better this year than they were last year, given the amount of talent on that team, the guardians are young and they were already good last year. So they're not going anywhere, but I think it could be like, I don't want to say interesting race. Maybe that's not the right word, but a, a decent race between three, like fairly evenly matched teams at the top there. And I do just want to say, even though they're evenly matched, it does not mean that they are good. Okay. These are like very, in my opinion, I think they're fairly mediocre teams in the grand scheme of things, but they're going to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. You know, imagine, let's say the twins going to the to the NL East like they would they would be absolutely decimated, in my opinion, or even the AL East. But Jeremy, give give me a hot take real fast. Will the Royals beat the twins in the 2023 season series? No, no. <laughs> Greg, do you agree? No. I, I don't think they will, but that said, there's enough randomness at play there that, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, I guess. I mean, the Royals have beaten the yeah. White Sox in the season series the past two years. That's true. I, the, the Salvi magic at the, at the twin stadium seems to have disappeared and the, the twins are just that much better than the Royals and adding Carlos Correa, you know, he's, whatever is going on with his health, they seem to feel confident that he's going to be good for at least the first half of this contract. That's why he's got investing options and it's very front loaded uh, in terms of money. So I adding Carlos Correa to the, to the mix, I, uh, the, and and showing a willingness to spend money and they showed a willingness last year to go out and make trades uh, to improve the team as well. Uh, I just, I don't see the Royals being truly competitive with them, even though Greg's right. You know, the randomness of baseball, it could happen, but it, if in all like reasonableness, it shouldn't. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Hey, I think this is as good of a time and of any for us to take a quick ad break. And we are back on Royals review radio. Jake Milliam here with Jeremy Greco and Greg Walker. So guys, the Royals did have a little bit of news today from the official organization. They announced their 19 non roster players that got invites to major league spring training. Um, if you want, y'all can go to RoyalsReview.com and see the full list for yourself, or you can follow Royals Review on Twitter and Facebook for the full list. But I am going to go ahead, sit down and, and list out some names that really jump out at me. Um, among pitchers, you have Austin Cox. You have Nick Whitgreen, formerly of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, you have Ryan Vice as well. Catchers, got a pretty good crop here. Literally, you have Tyler Cropley, <laughs> um, Logan Porter, Jackson Reitz, a Nebraska native, and then Luca Trish, 
infielders, you have the recently signed Matt Beattie, uh, Clay Dungan, Nick Lofton, a former high draft pick, and Tyler Tolbert. And then outfielders, a pretty good crew there, Darian Blanco, Tyler Gentry, Brewer Hicklin, and John Raves. Jeremy, I'd like for you to start us off here. Are there any names, any singular players that are really jumping out at you? Uh, unfortunately, I am I am underwhelmed by the uh, non-roster player invitations. Um, the two that really stand out to me a little bit uh, are Brewer Hicklin and Nick Lofton. Um, the I, uh, the minor league guys I trust have raved about those two, um, and Hicklin had. Uh, wasn't that a 30 30 season in the minors last year? 30 yeah. home runs, 30 stolen bases. Yeah, he had a stellar season. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not opposed to seeing what those guys could do at all. Um, I will say that I've heard uh, I've heard rave reviews about John uh, Rave. So nice. Nice. Yeah. Good. Uh, good. Good plug there. I, I like it. I like it. Greg, can you uh, can you follow up that? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on Luca Tresh, mainly because I watched him when he was at NC State as they made a surprising run to the College World Series semifinals back in 2021. And he was kind of a big part of that team. And he was part of the reason why the Royals went under slot in the early rounds in that draft, because they managed to get him all the way in the 17th round when he was a better prospect than a 17th round player. So I, I will be keeping an eye on him. Pretty good bat for a catcher. Good defense too. Gentry, of course, like I don't think he's a super excited exciting profile, but he did play really, really well across the minors last year. So I'll keep an eye on him and Andres Nunez, mainly because the zips projections that Dan Samborski put out recently actually thinks that Nunez could be a decent reliever in the major leagues. And so I, I haven't watched him in the minors. And so I don't know what exactly zips is seeing with him, but I got to find out. Hmm. Yeah, that is, that's fairly surprising, which Look, we have a whole freaking podcast over how bad the Zips projections are for the Kansas City Royals. Like they are <laughs> they are historically bad, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, the non-roster invite that has my attention really is Del Rosario. 22-year-old got all the way up to AAA Omaha last year. He's he's not looking shut out, but he's looking solid at least. And when you have a guy who's kind of swimming against the current of the Kansas City Royals pitching development and is still young and is still successful on the level he is, I would love to see what this new pitching coaching staff can do with him during spring training. So I will be watching him closely. But Jeremy, back to your point, I very much agree that this is a underwhelming class of invitees, not only in quality, but also in quantity. Like I yep. It's it's fairly thin. Am I am I wrong in thinking that I, the the biggest thing, the biggest name to me is the one that's missing off of this list, uh, which is uh, Asa Lacey or Asa Lacey, however you say his name. Yeah, I, I've true. never yet figured it out. Asa, <laughs> Asa, Asa Lacey. Uh, he should be. Uh, ready to be in minor league spring training, or maybe he should be ready to be in spring training by now. And he's clearly not. Uh, that just doesn't speak well to where the Royals have been drafting and developing lately. And uh, I mean, we knew that, but uh, it's just yet another sign pointing in that direction. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a good point, Greg. Let, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. There's, you know, Lacey's missing, Boland's missing, um, Sikama. 
who was recently left exposed during the rule five draft. Like all those guys are missing from, from invites. And these are guys who should be fairly close to making an MLB debut. Like, are you surprised that they're, that they're not invited? I'm kind of wondering if they're like rehabbing injuries right now or something, but I haven't seen anything to indicate that. So it it is a little odd, especially given like the levels those guys are at and how old they are. They wouldn't be invited to big league spring training. Like it seems kind of odd that they would be in minor league spring training still. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I got nothing. It doesn't make any sense to me, really. Well, isn't that just a summary of uh, of trying to follow the Kansas City Royals? Huh? It it just doesn't make any sense. It's a frustrating experience. It, it it is certainly at points, but I I hope that once we are seeing you know pitchers and catchers report, we'll actually seeing some games played. Things will make some sense. I hope. Am I am I wrong for hoping that, Jeremy? Here, I see you that can look. hope whatever you want to hope, Jacob. Whatever you want to <laughs> hope, no one can take that away from you. You hold on to that hope, and you do whatever you want with that. And and. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just I'm not going to share it, but <laughs> I won't take your hope away. Thanks, Jeremy. It's been a rough year. <laughs> We're not even two weeks into it, man. Come on. It's been rough. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, hey, speaking of hopes and dreams about the Kansas City Royals, there is really no guy that fans had more hopes and dreams for than Aldoberto Mondesi um, since the World Series championship winning teams. Um, and after, what, three seasons now, three, four seasons really hampered by injuries. Um, he hasn't played more than 70 games like in years now the athletics talking about him being the trade option for the Boston Red Sox who have been decimated now losing Trevor story. They lost Xander Bogarts in a, you know, just in free agency to the Padres Gave up Xander Bogarts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. They, they really did. Didn't they? Yep. You can't well, tell me Boston doesn't have the money to spend. Isn't that the freaking truth? Greg, I so you kind of see some of this more from a thousand foot level. You talk about more of the big MLB stuff. Like, how would you I talk about the Bogart stuff for me real fast? <laughs> Well, I think when you talk about Bogarts, I think you also do have to bring out Mookie Betts and Rafael Devers with this team because this was like a core after that 2018 World Series. It was supposed to be like a future dynasty. And they trade away Betts and they let Bogarts go in free agency and they do manage to keep Devers. So great. But like it's, it's hard to probably be a Red Sox fan right now because it seems like the management is trying to run them like the Rays. I don't know if that's management's choice or if it's ownership's choice, but like this is the Boston freaking Red Sox. Like this is a team that should be willing to spend whatever to put together a good team. And it seems like they're trying to nickel and dime their way to being good teams. So like if if you're a Red Sox fan, you should be pretty upset about the whole Bogarts thing. I can understand to some extent, like maybe they didn't want to match the deal with the Padres gave him, but like, I don't know. He seems like a fairly low risk player to me going forward. So I don't get it. If you're a Red Sox fan, like you should be upset. Not in the same like way that Royals fans are upset (laughs) with the team. (laughs) Just the fact that like, this is a team that's supposed to go out and spend money and compete with the Yankees. It just seems like they're not doing that. No, not, not at all. Not at all. So all of this nickel and diming to try and feel the team is really coming back to bite them in the, in the butt for lack of better terms, because they have a major gap in center field. They have a gap 
in at shortstop at second base. And they have like one guy who was a really big fan favorite in the postseason, Kike Hernandez, really super popular. Everyone loved him during the MOE postseason not too long ago. And they like they have no options at the major league level right now. So they're they have to go to the bargain bin. You know, athletics talk about, oh, maybe they can go get Elvis Andrews, like the the immortal man that I thought was just playing for the Rangers not long ago, but here we are. Um, or Jose Iglesias. But they also linked the Red Sox to trading for Aldemero Mondesi, get a little low risk, you know, what reward are we going to get for the uber-talented, uber-injured shortstop, middle infielder, whatever you wanted to be. Greg, do you think that would be a good option for the Red Sox and for the Royals? Do you think it's realistic? Give us your thoughts. On the Royals, then, I mean, you kind of have to be realistic here. If you trade Mondesi, you're not getting much back for him. Like, realistically, if you even get, like, one or two, like, top 30 prospects from their system, and that's a really good return because just with how little he's played and with the concerns in his profile about is his speed going to be diminished after the leg injuries, his play discipline has always been terrible. And so that's a big red flag. From the Red Sox end, like, maybe, but, like, man, this is an – ugly lineup that they're going to be potentially running out there. I mean, Kike Hernandez projects as their starting shortstop now and Christian Arroyo at second base. Like that's not especially inspiring middle of the infield. And I'm not really sure Mondesi makes it that much better. That's fair. That's fair. Jeremy, what, what do you think about Mondesi possibly going to Boston? I'm I'm going to sit here on the opposite side from Greg. And I'm going to say that makes a ton of sense, I think, for both teams. Um, the Royals kind of have an infield glut right now uh, at shortstop and second base. Uh, they could use a third baseman, but Mondesi is not necessarily the third baseman. Um, I think that of the options the Red Sox have, which you mentioned, they're they're farming out of the, the bargain bin right now. Mondesi makes a ton of sense for them because he's a really good defender. Um, he should still have most of his speed. And, uh, you know, he's shown flashes of being able to hit in the past. And so you maybe can strike gold uh, and, and get a real nice big season out of him. Uh, and and. And he just he he's offers a lot of upside compared to the other options. Um, and for some reason, I get the same vibes when I hear about Alberto Mondesi to Boston that I did uh, when people were kind of men- making rumors about Andrew Benintendi to the Royals. Uh, and obviously that deal did happen. Um, so I, I, I think this could be a really good deal or just maybe it's not a really good deal for either team, but I think it's a deal that could absolutely get done uh, between the two teams, uh, whether it's a good deal We'll have to see, but uh, we'll have to see what the deal actually is and then probably wait till at least the end of the year. But I, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. It okay. definitely makes sense for both sides. It's just not something to get excited about for either yeah. side. Yeah, there. I, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, we're, we're, we're Royals fans. We will be excited about any actual solid news <laughs> that come out, out of Kaufman. Let, let's be real here. But... I do like there's a lot of possibilities trading with Boston. They do need a center fielder. Is this where the Royals will end up sending Michael A. Taylor? You know, can they package together Mondesi and Taylor for, you know, maybe a couple of top 20 prospects? Like is that first baseman outfielders? 
Yes, we do love lefty first baseman outfield depth players. Not top of the line, Jeremy. That that's a little that's a little too much. They have yeah. to be depth guys. Preferably ones who hit it on the who have tons of power but hit it into the ground on a regular basis. Yes, Greg, is is that what you like? Uh, yeah, Bobby Dahlbeck comes to mind. He hits right-handed, but you know, a uh, first base, maybe outfielder that uh, <laughs> hasn't really hit all that well in the majors, but has a ton Great. of raw power. I mean, that, yeah, that, that makes it. There you ball. go. Deal. Let's do it right now. Brent Rooker, one point five, all over again. We're gonna do this all over again. Um, man, I will say, I, I will say that I, I do think Taylor makes less sense for the Red Sox than Montesi okay. does because you know how we're talking about how we have a lot of outfielders and just players in general for the Royals that are young and we need some evaluation time with them. So we need to clear away Taylor so we can evaluate these guys. Well, the Red Sox are in that situation in center field too, because they have their guy, Jaron Duran, who was a very good prospect just a couple of years ago. And over the past two years, he's hit very well in AAA and hasn't hit well at all in the majors, but hasn't really got an extended playing time. And so he's only 26. I mean, I think they need to see what they have in him really. Okay, that's that's a great point, Greg. Thank you, thank you for bringing that up. Um, so we will we won't wait with bated breath for the Royals to to trade with the Red Sox. But if you want all of the fastest updates and best analysis on the Kansas City Royals, please go check out RoyalsReview.com. You can also follow Royals Review on Twitter and on Facebook as well for up to the minute updates. But Jeremy, Greg, not a whole else lot with with Royal stuff. Is there anything we're missing tonight? I I can't think of anything. I'm, I'm just going to call back to when you said there was a ton of Royals news. Look, my immediate look, thought, listen. I didn't say it, but my, my immediate thought was in comparison to what we've gotten, maybe. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Greg, did I, uh, <laughs> should I, uh, put my foot in my mouth real fast? I don't know. I mean, Hey, Matt Beatty could be something interesting. Like he oh, hit gosh. pretty well for the Dodgers in 2021 in limited time. He might be like a decent platoon bat, but it's also kind of hard to see exactly how he fits in the roster. That, that's fair. Hey, Jeremy, I have to go load the dishwasher real fast. I'm going to let Greg do his 20 minute spiel on Matt Beatty <laughs> and how he will have a positive impact on this team. So I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys later. OK, all right. Bye. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But on honestly, um, Greg, Jeremy, that, that was another transaction from this past that, week. That, that was one of the transactions I've seen in my life. Hmm, yes, it was, it was quite a quite a transaction. Matt Beatty's a player, um, but like, what what do y'all think about it? It's it's so strange to see the Royals sign another first baseman. It feels like Greg and I want you to start off because I know I know what Jeremy's going to say about it. I think he's a fine depth piece, you know, insurance in case of injuries over at first base. Like, quite frankly, as a depth piece, he's better than Ryan O'Hearn. Okay, that's that's a good point. All right, Jeremy, it's your turn, man. Let us hear it. So my big thing with Matt Beatty, I don't I don't think you you actually I'm going to give you a curveball. I think you're not ready for this, but maybe you are. I don't know. My big thing about Matt Beatty is that when he was signed, it was accompanied with the knowledge that the Royals had attempted to draft him once upon a time. And that's the part that makes me nervous is that the Royals are going out and saying, you know what? 
we liked this guy a few years ago and absolutely nothing has worked out for him, but let's bring it back. Uh, we, we, we saw something years ago. Maybe it's still there somewhere. And, and that just feels like a very Dayton Moore Royals kind of move where, oh, we already have an opinion. We don't need a new opinion just because, you know, he's had a little bit of major league service time. Uh and that's what makes me nervous more than anything. I don't. There's. No, I don't have a problem with first base outfield depth. Uh, minor league signing with a non-roster invite to spring training. That's fine. If that's what they've given Ryan O'Hearn, I don't think anyone would have said boo. Uh, so uh, that part's fine. The, the part that worries me is is like, is is he here solely because the Royals? once thought he could be something or or is it just uh, well he's just a guy and it just happens to be a coincidence that's fair that's fair but greg you talked about it a little bit earlier on so his 20 matt Beatty's 2022 season with the padres was absolutely abysmal like he was he was only with the club for 20 games and it was really really bad but his 2021 season was was actually pretty good and would help any team, you know, 114 way to runs created plus um, half half a war, but he has terrible defense and suspect approach at the plate. Greg, like if you if you had to start baby, would you feel good about that? Or do you think this is just a really, really long shot by the Royals? If Beatty ends up starting on even a somewhat regular basis, and that means both Vinny Pasquantino and Nick Prado are either injured or playing really, really badly. And so, yeah, I mean, alarm bells should be sounding if he ends up starting at any point. But what about, so let's let's ask this question. Is he worse than Ryan or not Ryan O'Hearn? Is he worse than Hunter Dozier? That's hard to say because part of why Hunter Dozier has been so problematic is that he keeps getting run out there every day, whether he's hitting or not, and also put into defensive positions that he shouldn't be playing. Like I thought the ship on Ryan or, or Hunter Dozier either playing third base had already sailed, but then we saw him back out at third base a lot again last year. So Matt Beatty, I assume would only come in to like make spot starts at first base. If we see him in the outfield at any point, then I'm like, that's even more alarming. Fair I just uh, I just pulled up Matt Beatty's Fangraphs page, and I just want to throw out there that uh, Hunter Dozier is bad because he plays a lot of games. He had a negative one FWAR last year, I believe. I should double check that. Uh, and Beatty had a negative zero point seven FWAR in only twenty games. So if there's someone worse than <laughs> Dozier, it might be Matt Beatty. Yeah, negative one FWAR in 129 games. It's very consistent. He had a negative one FWAR in uh, 2021 in 144 games. So, uh, you know, seven, six to seven times as many games, roughly the same war uh, going in the wrong direction. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's end the podcast on a down note. While, why don't we, guys? <laughs> but no, let's. We'll we'll see what we get from him in spring training. You know, worst comes to worst, he'll he'll sit in Omaha, and he'll have you know some minor league starts because really, there's there's not a guy that comes to mind to take bat like at bats in Omaha at first base. You know, you want Nick Prado up in Kansas City, you want Vinny Pasquantino up in Kansas City, and those were the guys last year to start the season. So 
worst comes to worst, he's a stopgap option in Omaha, right? Yeah, and and uh, you got to have somebody, like you said, somebody's got to play first base in Omaha. And hopefully it's not Pasquatino. Hopefully it's not Prado. Hopefully they're having tons of success at the big league level. And he's just kind of holding down a spot while they wait for somebody to be ready to promote and let everybody else get their playing time in. Those two magic words, organizational depth. Fair enough, fair enough. Get a little short-sighted, man. It, it happens to the best of us, right? But speaking of short-sightedness, I am seeing the end of this podcast episode. But both of y'all are doing some yes. But both of y'all are doing some great work, uh, both in and out of Royals Review. Greg, you mentioned earlier that you run your own podcast earlier on. Where can folks find that podcast and you on social media? You can find that podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. I am sure it will be there. It is called Bat Flips and Infield Shifts, and we are getting to an exciting time of year. My personal favorite, which is the college baseball season, is starting next month. And so we are doing conference-by-conference previews of the season. We just yesterday released our ACC preview. We go over every team, kind of just what you should watch from each team, some key players, all of that stuff. And so if you want to know everything there is to know about the upcoming college baseball season, you can tune into that over the next few weeks again that's bat flips and infield shifts and if you really want to find my social media it's at greg not craig on twitter and instagram craig is spelled c-r-e-g you can uh, see all of my weird urban planning stuff and animal memes that i'm really into urban planning what i'm a, I'm a big anti-car guy but i'm not gonna dive into that right now <laughs> Ooh, that that does sound like a interesting episode. We'll bring that up earlier in the podcast next time. Yes, please. <laughs> we we wouldn't have been talking about fruit salad for six minutes. We would have been talking about that. We we can we can talk urbanism next time I'm on. <sighs> Jesus, Greg, way to bury the lead. <laughs> Jeremy, look, longtime listeners know where to find you at, but why don't you remind us? So uh, if you're new, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully uh, you too uh, do not put mayonnaise in your fruit salad. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hakaius, H-O-K-I-U-S, and uh, pretty much everything else I do, links from there. Uh, someday maybe I'll do more with the rest of my stuff. But uh, right now that's where most of my non-Royals review stuff can be found. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And if you go to Royals Review, you can find from Jeremy Greco a review on Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which is, uh, it does stand up, I will say. I think it stands up. I don't think, I haven't reviewed the second one yet, just the first one. Oh, just the first one? Oh, just God. The first one. Okay. Well, I think. And, and I got yelled at because one. the first one isn't old enough for me to ask if it holds up. That was like half <laughs> the comments. So I'm like, I'm afraid to do the second one now. <laughs> One day, one day soon. But again, my name is Jake Milham. You can find me on Twitter at jmilthaham for the Royals and Chiefs related content. And again, thank you very much to the team over at Royals Review for putting this on, uh, coordinating it and everything. And to our listeners, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, go Royals. Go Royals.